Come, Holy Spirit, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls Please be seated. Today is Pink Candle Sunday. So there's a fashion crime occurring in many places today where clergy are wearing Pepto Bismol paint. Heroin. Heroin. Stick with the blue. Stick with the blue. Rejoice, right? That's what we have pink. Today is, today is the third Sunday of Advent. It's God's day. It's rejoicing. And it's kind of a strange thing that, you know, on this day that is about rejoicing, that we have a gospel message about John in prison on this day that we're supposed to rejoice. Where's John? Where's John? But I think it's absolutely perfect. If I could do this, if I could do this for John, if I could transport myself back in time, I would go and visit John and I would take the message from James. I would take the message from James. Be patient. Uh, be patient. Boy, what a what a what a awful place John must have been. And, and I wonder what happened to John from last week. Remember last week? No? <laughs> I'll remind you then. <laughs> yeah, just last week, John, right, John the Baptizer's appearing in the wilderness, and he's got this message of repentance, you know, for the forgiveness of sins, and everybody's coming out. And remember, he, like, destroys the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He calls them a brood of wipers, you snakes, right? Boy, wasn't he bold? Right? Last week, he was full of wasn't he? Yeah, boy, he was all just, yeah, this one that's coming out, you know, you think I'm tough, the one coming after me, he's going to baptize with Holy Spirit and fire, and you watch out, the axe is at the, the, the root of the tree already, and, and he's coming, and he means business. He means business. He's going to bring the fire of the Holy Spirit, and if you're good, if you're righteous, if you've been baptized, and your sins are forgiven, he will gather you as good grain into his granary. But you know, if you're like Bill <laughs> and all you Episcopalians, <laughs> you chaff, right? He's going to burn with unquenchable fire. Boy, John was rolling, wasn't he? What happened? Where'd John go? Where'd he go? Well, yeah, he got arrested. We jump all the way to chapter 11, and we hear about John has been arrested. John's in prison now. Where's his boldness? Is he doubting? When he hears what Jesus has been doing, and he's been preaching about this guy who's going to come with Holy Spirit and fire, and he's going he's to gather the grain and clear his threshing floor, there's going to be fire and smoke and judgment and, and all the evil people are going to get blown up and, and, and then, then John's going, what happened? What are you doing? What are you doing? When he heard everything that Jesus had been doing, he's asking questions. What are you doing? And not only is he asking questions, he's going, well, wait a second, I, I told him that you're going to be coming with this this fire to kind of purge the world and, 
and you know everything's going to get turned upside down, and, and all those wicked people oppressing the people of God, they're going to they're going to get their comeuppance. And, and, and where where is that? Where is that? Are you actually it? This is it. This is it. This is this is what this. Is, I'm in prison here. I, I, I thought I thought your thing was you're going to come and set the captives free. I thought you're going to take those evil people in the world and 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 they're going to they're going to get the judgment and the vengeance of God. I, I thought that's what's coming. You're bringing God's kingdom, right? And there's John wondering, oh, well, where are the fireworks? Where are the fireworks? But, you know, evil people are still in place. And God's people are still oppressed. And maybe your messenger sent before you, I'm, I'm in this dungeon. And he asked questions. Is this it? And Jesus tells his disciples, well, here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and find something. But the blind see. Blind see. And the deaf hear. And the mute now have a voice. And the lame can walk. And those who are outcasts, considered lepers and unclean and unacceptable, are now acceptable. And all those who are brokenhearted and oppressed and poor are bringing good news to them. Of God's love for them. Go tell, go tell John that. I wonder how John received that because you know he had heard about what Jesus was doing. You know, well, yeah, I heard that he was restoring sight to the blind. I, I heard that he's healing people. I heard that he's telling people their love. I, I, I heard that he's that he's doing all the. That's why I'm confused. Yeah, all that's good, but I'm confused. What, what about the evil people in the world? <laughs> What about all the corruption? What about the evil system? What about what about Herod? What about what about the Romans? What about all that? What about the corrupt church establishment? What about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? What about what about all that? What do you, what do you do about that? And I think that letter from from James would be so helpful, so helpful to John. Be patient. Be patient. I wonder if John is disappointed. He just wanted. He had in his mind how this is all supposed to unfold. He had expectations. He certainly put himself out there in public and said, You better get right with God because this guy's coming and he's going to make things right. He's going to bring the wrath and the fire of God and you better get yourself right. And then when he finally finds this guy who's going around and preaching peace and love. And he's healing people one at a time, giving sight to the blind, comforting widows and orphans, and 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 and, and I wonder if John's disappointed. Is he confused? Is he confused? There's a story of a a, a little boy with a great imagination, loved to play baseball. And his great imagination, he would pretend that he's playing in some important game. And, and one day he grabbed his, his little boy cleats and his glove and got his little baseball and, and his bat. And he went out in the backyard and he's pretending like it's the World Series. 
the game's on the line, and in his imagination, he's the greatest hitter in the world. Nobody's ever seen a slugger like him. And he announces this to all the crickets and the squirrels and the bunny rabbits and everything that are out in that big field. I'm the greatest hitter who's ever lived. And he tightens his little cleats and he stands there and he, he you know, you've done this before, right? A lot of you, right? He tosses the ball in the air and he takes his little bat and he swings and completely misses. Strike one. <laughs> I'm the greatest hitter the world has ever seen, is what he says. This time, he's going to do better. So he does that thing where he kind of digs in, you know, kick a little bit of dirt up. He's seen that on TV. Whatever it means, I don't know. And he's doing this thing. You got to spit and scratch too, apparently. <laughs> so he does that. He goes, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he throws the ball in the air and he swings again. And you know what? He misses again. Strike two. And he says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world has ever seen. Two strikes. Now he's going to get serious. Cracks his knuckles. Rubs the ball. Tightens his shoes. Scratches. <laughs> taps his bat on the ground. All those things you see on TV because that's what you have to do. And he throws the ball up in the air and he swings with everything he has and you know what? He missed again. Strike three. And his eyes get real big and he goes, wow, I'm the greatest pitcher the world has ever known. <laughs> Perspective matters, does it not? Right? And I think perspective of understanding God and God's way really matters to keep us from losing faith. For us to remain hopeful in this time of waiting, I think we have to have a proper perspective on things. I love the story of John who is in prison, who wants to know, are you the one? Are you the one? Is this the way it is going to be? Is this the way it's going to be? Are you the one who is the Son of God? Is this your plan for saving the world? It's a plan that is going to require some patience. Patience. Us being patient and waiting for God to do things God's way. Not for God to do things on our timetable according to our wishes to have the grace and the peace of God to just wait for God to do what God has to do. To not grumble <coughs> with each other when things don't go the way we think God should do them. John is sitting in prison. He is going to die. There are corrupt rulers at John's time. It's not different. The world is much the same. But we look at the ministry of Jesus where he came to give his life and to serve within that context. And how is God going to save the world? He's going to do it one person at a time. One blind person at a time. Blind physically as well as blind spiritually, open the eyes of the blind. 
And as much as we might want to have conversations with God about, God, you need to open that person's eyes and convert them. Maybe God has another plan. And it requires patience on our part to let God work and let God be God. God heals the lame, gives voice to the mute. He takes the unacceptable people and makes them acceptable on God's own timetable. And that can be really frustrating to some of us that people aren't who we think they should be. And we might pray that certain people are are converted and changed and, and see the light and, 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 and change, or, or at least God, you know, knock them down, <laughs> take them out. But it doesn't seem to be that's the way God works. Because God is a God of love, compassion, and mercy. And God always works through love and compassion and mercy. And as much as you might think it's somebody else that needs to have God's judgment, I'm glad that God is compassionate and merciful. Because I might be the one that needs the knocking down the most. There's a story of a woman who had lost all of her hair. From some illness and the treatment, it had taken away her beautiful hair. And a lot of times when people are knowing that they're going to lose their hair from something, they'll go ahead and shave it off, but she didn't do that. She kind of just let nature take its course, and, and she eventually got to the day where she only had of this, what used to be a full head of beautiful long hair. She had three strands left. Three strands. Must have been a sight. She got up one morning and she looked at herself, said, wow, three strands left. I think I'll braid my hair today. <laughs> and she did. And it was beautiful. And she thanked God for the three strands of hair. And she had a wonderful day. Well, that day passed, and she went to sleep and got up the next day and was, was making herself up, and she, she looked in the mirror, and guess what? She lost a hair overnight. She now only had two. Two hairs on that full head. She said, well, I think I'll part my hair today. <laughs> so she did. So she did. And she had a beautiful day with her nicely parted hair. And it was wonderful. She gave thanks to God, even though she had one of those two strands of hair. Well, that day went, and she got up the next day. And guess what? There was one hair left on her head. That didn't get her down. She thought about how she's going to do her hair today. She says, I think I'll wear my hair in a ponytail today. <laughs> I'm going to wear it in a ponytail. And she did. And she had a wonderful day, thanking God for what she had. So this didn't get her down. Didn't get her down. She, she knows God's character. God is loving, merciful, compassionate. And no matter what's going on around us, if we get disappointed, if we think that we're going to force God's hand, that God should be doing something, if we think we know God's business better than God does, we're going to be disappointed. But this woman, you know, who was losing her hair and was suffering, you know, still gave thanks because she's just waiting on God. Waiting on God. God has something in store. 
Obviously, it doesn't have anything to do with my hair, although I had some creative hairstyle. So she wore it as a ponytail. <coughs> then the next day comes. <coughs> you know what happened overnight? She lost that last strand of hair. <coughs> there she was, completely bald, finally. And she looked in the mirror and says, well, good, I don't have to do my hair today. <laughs> I don't have to do my hair today. So I think when we are waiting, when we're waiting, waiting for God to heal us, waiting for God to redeem us from someplace. And if not for us, we're waiting for God to act in the world to bless our children or our spouse or our friends, to deliver them from the things that they're suffering from. Or we're waiting for God's promise that God is going to restore all things, that God is going to come and make the world right. That one day there will no longer be injustice and oppression. We're not going to fight wars anymore. There'll be no broken people. We'll be back in the garden. We're waiting for that. We're waiting. Requires patience. It also requires for us to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Even in those dark places where John finds himself. Trusting in the promises of God. Trusting in the promises. Amen.